When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown. This is Mass Live's Red Sox podcast, and I'm the host of the show, Chris Cotillo. Today, I am pleased to be joined by uh, probably our biggest guest so far we've had on here. It is Dave Dombrowski, the former president of baseball operations of the Red Sox, and now in his new role as a baseball advisor for Music City Baseball, trying to bring an expansion team to Nashville. Dave, how is everything going? How have you been in the last few months? Well, I've been doing as well as you can under the circumstances. Uh, everybody with my family's healthy, which is first and foremost. And as we know, the world's changed. So if you're healthy at this point, that's a pretty good start. Right. It's been it's been crazy for everybody. And uh, obviously, with summer camp underway, this unprecedented baseball season, I guess I'll start with, you know, after someone who's been in the game for, for 40, 45 years, you know, you're not with a team for the first time in a long time this year. Just from afar, how wild has it been to see, um, you know, the delayed season, this summer training camp, and uh, how challenging would it be to be in the GM chair for something like this? Well, it's got to be the wildest uh, season I've ever experienced, and a, a bit of far this year. But when you look back throughout the seasons, all the ups and downs at various times that we've had, when we've had labor shutdowns, we've had strikes in the middle of the season, the beginning of the season never anything like this and i think part of it is also the the danger that exists in the world mm -hmm. the unpredictability of the day-to-day -day of what's going to take place not only in the world but then when you get specific with your club and how you might get who might get sick that particular day the, the start and then the stop of the season so the challenges are immense for anybody that's associated with the club as a general manager as a manager and to get through the season first and foremost here the next 60 games and hopefully if you're in the postseason. But the challenges of trying to keep everybody healthy and following the rules, uh, it's really unprecedented in what people are tackling. For you, uh, so I think it was 43 spring trainings. I think I saw that in an article, and this is the first time in 43 years you haven't been with one. Are you envious of this challenge that – uh, these GMs and presidents of baseball operations get to have this year? Are you kind of glad that you don't have to deal with all of the uh, uncertainty? Well, I'm not envious. So that's not <laughs> what I want to be tackling. So, I mean, yeah. I, of course, I, I still very much would love to be working, and I am working mm -hmm. now with the National Club. So right, in that right. situation, um, really didn't feel like I'm in that position to say, okay, this is it. But I'm not envious of what they're having to tackle because the what they're going through, again, as we discussed, this one – there's no plan for this. You mm -hmm. just have to do the best job you possibly can. And even if you do the best job you possibly can, you're not sure what may step on your plate the next day just due to the, all the uncertainties. Right. So with Nashville, um, I think we were – I saw you know the release, I think, a week ago, two weeks ago, that you were joining Music City Baseball as a baseball advisor. There's a lot of big names, obviously your friend Tony La Russa, who was with you in Boston, um, and obviously other stops along the way. Uh, what for you drove you to that? I mean, what? It's not like you're from Nashville, or you're obviously a Chicago native. Spent a lot of time in a lot of different cities, but what drove you to this unique opportunity? Well, it's a great question, and one where 
for me, it was approached by the Music City Baseball Club uh, Limited, their, their group there. And a couple of reasons behind it. First of all, I was very impressed with the people themselves. Mm -hmm. John Lohr, who's a one individual. Alberto Gonzalez is the chairman of Music City Baseball. He used to be the attorney general for George Bush. Another gentleman, Lee Barfield, from that community. Very impressive people, very successful in their walks of life, and nice people, people that you like to spend time. So that was part of it. Secondly, the city of Nashville is dynamic when they flew there, flew me there, and they flew my wife there with me. Um, we just love the city, love the people there. You can see the growth is everywhere. There's 81 people per day moving into Nashville on an average. That was pre-pandemic. You, you look out your window, there's growth building going everywhere. They build 24-7 at this time. There's growth at the airport. So everywhere there is booming. Very young, vibrant community entertainment district. So um, that was appealing to me. And I think the overall challenge of having something like this work when you're in a spot, it's not yeah. going to be easy. Major League Baseball's made no promises to us. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to have to go about trying to get approval of Major League Baseball at some point if they decide to expand or relocate. Of course, we have to come up with investors, a control interest person, have a ballpark built, and put everything together. It's a little bit different than when I went through in Florida. In Florida, I started, it was the baseball end of the operation, this time right. from the very beginning. But in addition to that, when I look back, the friendships I made, the times I've experienced back with those 91 Marlins, and then through the time I was there, some of the most enjoyable moments that I've ever had and the best friendships I've made. And so what does the day-to-day -day look like for you in this role? Well, right now, you know, of course, I'm still consultant, so I'm not full-time, yeah. and, and we're in a position where you basically, at this time, you tackle whatever is present. We all work very closely together. Mm -hmm. John is the one that's working with most of the investors. When we talk about heading the baseball operation, which is really my primary responsibility, communication with Major League Baseball, uh, it's one where there's not a lot of that taking place right now. It's more to add, add my expertise as time goes along, but... We talk about various topics, get prepared, and I don't think there is per se a day-to-day. -day. One day might be very busy being on conference calls, just talking to people, and then the next day might be very quiet. So we are not moving to Nashville till the end of August. Um, we figured we may as well tackle it. We sold our home here in Boston. It mm -hmm. sold very quickly, so we need to relocate somewhere, and we figured that would be a great place to locate and uh, make our home there. Yeah, it seems like obviously moving and moving the family there is a pretty strong commitment to this project and something you envision doing for the next few years at least. I hope so. I mean, it is, again, it's very risky. You, you know right. that it is, but uh, we're in a position where we're looking forward. But there's a lot of things that can happen to not make it work along the way. And you're when you're in a startup company and you don't have revenues coming in, um, there's a lot of uncertainty. But again, we wouldn't be tackling if we didn't think we had an opportunity to get this thing done. Mm -hmm. uh, for you, what was the downtime like after September? I know you hung out and stayed in Boston for a while. Um, you did some travel in that time. What was it like just from a uh, personal standpoint of being able to maybe relax a little bit? And also, uh, as you considered what's next before this came up, were you in talks with other teams at that point? Well, it was a lot different for me than I've ever had in my career, because when I switched from the Tigers, I was off for two weeks, basically, right. talked to the Red Sox and got hired and talked to a couple other clubs. So it was the first time I really had a down period. Mm -hmm. um, there was a time to collect my breath, spend some time with family. We did some traveling. Uh, we did go on a lengthy vacation to South Africa, which was wonderful. That was in around Christmas time into the first of the year. So uh, 
I, I talk to people in general, but really at this point in my career, I was still more open-minded to more, if there was a general manager's position available, president of mm -hmm. baseball operation. I'm not really in a consulting role with the big league club yet. Yeah. So uh, yeah. there really were very few changes. You see, there was only one change uh, other than mm -hmm. the Reds, which was Pittsburgh. So I really didn't have many discussions in that regard. So it was really a matter of just wait and see what happens. Fortunately, my contract's through the end of October. Uh, gave me the luxury of just kind of sitting back and waiting to see what would take place, um, which we've been doing. We did spend, my wife and I went down to Florida. We rented some places starting in the middle of January till almost the end of June. So we were down there. We had some family members come down and visit, but a much different time period. It gave me time to spend time together. Uh, I also worked myself just done some projects internally to kind of prepare myself and mm -hmm. may take place in the future. And who knows? I mean, it's one of those where giant question mark was facing me where the future would take, but I want to be prepared for it. And to me, again, this is a great opportunity. A couple things jumped out to me about Nashville. Number one, the names on the um, advisory board. It's not just, you know, you have the baseball people of Dave Stewart, Tony La Russa, but you also have Justin Timberlake and Luke Combs, Eric Church, some of those big country stars i think you know first of all have you been able to talk to like timberlake and these big time guys and what is their role going to be in this well i have met some of them yes yeah and, and, i mean nashville's a entertainment uh, mecca really i mean there's mm -hmm. so many stars that live there from all mostly music but all type of walks of entertainment so i've had a chance to talk to some of them i think roles to be defined as time goes on but i but they're committed to try to make baseball work in nashville and as my announcement just took place, so we're sort of working through some of those things. But I think most of the individuals there that are listed are basically saying, hey, what can we do to help you bring Major League Baseball to Nashville? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting to see. Just you know, those names popped out, obviously. It's not people you'd expect to be in that group. Another focus of this seems to be um, a minority uh led ownership group partnership with the Negro League Baseball Museum. How important is that to this uh, effort and to you personally? Extremely important. We were coming in here. Uh, really, that was a focus before I came there. I mean, mm -hmm. of course, led by Alberto Gonzalez. He's a minority. Um, and so it's a situation where very important for us to try to do things what we think is the correct fashion and trying to build an organization. Diversity is a real key for us and for professional baseball. But when you see all the national discussions when it comes to social injustice and racial equality nowadays, it's extremely important for us. We have a tie with the Negro League Hall of Fame already, the Nashville Stars, which would be the name of the team. Right. First time the team would be named after a team from the Negro Leagues. We have a relationship with sharing, sharing revenues with the Hall of Fame there. We're in a position where we have our board of directors is a majority of minorities on it we have discussions with having a diversity oversight committee so great deal of commitment and it's extremely important to the group and extremely important to me personally to make this work and you touched on this a little bit but it would seem like you know for something like that now is the time with everything going on in the country and something that people would really get behind well no question i mean it's extremely important i think uh, what's been going on in society um, you know, speaks for itself, and we want to try to help however we possibly can. It's a real focus of our organization, and will continue to be. So you talked about Major League Baseball making no promises. Um, you know, obviously Rob Manfred's talked about there's potential expansion down the road. I'm not sure how 
the economic impacts of a pandemic and everything baseball is facing really affect that. But um, what is the timetable that you guys would be looking at if there is one? Well, again, we're at really the, the mercy of what Major League Baseball decides. Yep. Uh, you've seen Rob Manfred's comments about in the past trying to expand to 32 teams. It's easier for baseball scheduling purposes, but also wanted to make sure that he could take care of Tampa and Oakland first. I know they're working on that, but since the pandemic's hit, I'm not aware of, have had no other discussions and not aware of any other uncertainties with other franchises. For us, uh, the one thing that makes it difficult for us is to be a relocation right away because we don't have a major league ballpark there. We have to build that. Right. Sounds have a triple A team, but they only seat about 10,000. And there's very little room for growth in that regard. The football stadium, the Titan stadium is not in a position that they can house baseball at this point. So for us, we have to get a ballpark built under any scenario. And it takes between 24 to 30 months to build a retractable roof stadium, which we feel we need to have. As far as the time frame is concerned, we just want to be ready whenever Major League Baseball says we want to move forward with this. The basic agreement ends in December of 2021. would anticipate that there really wouldn't be any type of expansion discussion until you get into that next basic agreement. But again, preparation for us is important. So Major League Baseball says, hey, we're ready to talk about this. We have a plan and can show them the plan. I think switching gears, this is a question that um, I've thought about since the uh, rule changes for this season came out and as someone with your experience and your reputation as being someone who loves making trades I think this is an interesting one for you so if it's an August 31st trade deadline which it is this year um, is there an ethical issue for general managers and and presidents of baseball operations to trade guys and uproot their families during a pandemic and and from your seat now afar do you think that there is going to be um, significantly fewer trades this year because of that? Well, I, I don't think, and I feel for the families, of course, and what people are going through at this time. Um, I, I don't think I'd run into that type of problem because you're only talking for a short time period too. You're right. basically talking about a month. And I would think that the families in this case, I mean, anybody's had a chance to opt out. And I think the way the rules are written, probably somebody could, if they didn't think it was good for their family, they could still opt out under that type of scenario. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I do think there's going to be trades made. Um, I think that some clubs that fall down quickly that fall out of, and there may not be many because as we know with the 60 games right. season, anything can happen. There's only going to be 30 some games played before the trading deadline, but there's a time for separation. And I think more clubs will have a chance to feel that they, they can get in. And once you get in, yeah. anything can happen. So I do think there'll be trades made and, and probably quite a few of them. Switching the focus to the Red Sox um, and your time there, uh, it's now 10 months removed since uh, you left the organization. And I think, you know, just being there and, and covering that game that night against the Yankees where uh, they made the decision, it was shocking to us in the press box. And I think it was shocking to the fan base. Um, now, I'm not sure if you want to get too specific, but what was that night like to you? Was it as jarring as I think we assumed it was? Well, yeah, I would talk from a person. Yes, it was. I mean, I, I didn't uh, anticipate that and also um, didn't want to leave. So yeah. anytime that it happens, it, it's one that's jarring. Yeah, sure it is. And, and so it's one that you have to you realize you don't have any control over. The decision's been made. So you just accept it and you just move on. But you're you're not pleased. You're you know, I, I came home at that time, I remember, and uh, came and just walked in and I don't know the fourth inning or something, fifth inning of the game because I just 
grabbed my stuff and came home. And I'm never home at that time. And yeah, my wife was here. So yeah, it was a jarring time period for me. Sure. Do you think that they could have handled it better? I mean, announcing it, I think just from our perspective, it, to see it announced, you know, in the middle of the night um, at, I think, 12, 10 a.m., and then to not have a press conference to talk about the decision at all, do you think they could have handled it better from an ownership perspective? Well, I wouldn't get into that. That's areas that they have to, you know, handle themselves. They talked to me directly at the time. Right. Um, I'm a little surprised during the game, but we had a conversation, had a chance to discuss the topic, and and from then it was just my time to move on, and however they wanted to handle it was really their their decision. I think, you know, obviously that, even though it was 10 months ago with everything that's happened in the world, even feels like, you know, years and years have gone by and, and everything that's happened with the organization. But when you look now and think about, you know, October 2018, you're coming off probably the best regular season in franchise history. Alex is a first-year manager. It seems like he's going to be a guy who's there for a decade or more. You know, a young manager, players love him. Um, you've now accomplished what you were brought here to do. You have built three straight division champions in a World Series. To think, you know, within really 15, 16 months, you're not there. Alex is not there. Uh, Mookie, Price, those kind of guys are not there. How crazy is that to think about just when you put it all together? A lot of change. I mean, if yeah. you had said that in October 2018, I don't think anybody would believe you at that point that all those changes would take place. But, um, you know, those are decisions beyond my control. Those are ones, uh, but I never, I would not have believed it at that time. We had a great run uh, while I was there, 2018, fantastic. Of course, 19 was a disappointing year for all of us. Mm -hmm. We thought we had a better ball club, but coming off of 18, we just didn't perform quite as well. But a uh, great time period, and uh, it's surprising when you look back, it's, it's uh, not really the same group of individuals running the, the organization that was there on the baseball end of it and some of the different players. But that also shows you about the game and sports in general and life in general, that things can change and they can change quickly. The people that are there now, obviously, Ron is now the manager and he's someone that you did work with. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Just as a, obviously he's been around the game forever. It seems like when they made the choice to promote him once Alex was gone, it was they wanted familiarity and stability and that experience to guide them through a tough time. Obviously that time has gotten even tougher now that it's happening in the middle of a pandemic, but what were your impressions of Ron and your time with him? Oh, Ron Renick, he's an outstanding baseball man and, and person too. I mean, when I, I have to admit, I'm a bit prejudiced. I've gotten to know Ron very well and I yeah. have the utmost respect for him. He's fantastic. I, I don't think they could have made a better selection under the situation, probably under any situation, but with going through the transition, people forget they were still coming off of, the suspension of Alex and all the investigation taking place. So the stability of what Ron added and adds, but it's also a situation where just a, such a good baseball man and well-respected throughout the game. He's been basically through um, all type of circumstances. So uh, I think a great choice and I think he'll do a good job for them. And his boss, your replacement, Haim Bloom, um, was, was brought in about a month and a half after uh, you and the Red Sox parted ways. I think um, he's a guy, obviously, that you competed with in the, the division. You and the Rays made one really notable trade with Evaldi there at the trade deadline in 18. What were your impressions of Haim as a competitor? Uh, I think he was a guy that a lot of people thought would eventually move up to the big chair, and, and there wasn't a lot of surprise once he got the opportunity. Sure. Well, very well-respected individual in the game, very smart. Of course, Tampa Bay respected for what they did. I, I didn't really know Haim as much as others in there because most of my dealings were with Eric Neander. It so yeah. happens their general manager. So almost every conversations, which were numerous throughout my time periods were with Eric, but I got to know Haim some, and there's no question 
that you were, I was impressed with them. The industry's been impressed with them and in a position you're ready to be a general manager and um, get a great opportunity to do so. I think when he was brought in, there's kind of this narrative that um, you know, he's the type of guy with what they do in Tampa to rebuild the farm system. And that was something that needed to be done. When you look back at that perception that you were obviously focused on the major league roster and, and winning and building a competitor and sometimes at the expense of the farm system, if you really look back at some of those trades, you know, with the exception of maybe Mancata and some of those guys, the Red Sox are the clear winners in a lot of those trades. And even the ones like that, you got, you know, sale for the duration of that contract. Um, do you feel that it's unfair that uh, you're kind of people say that you tore down the farm system that much? Well, you know, it's hard. I don't really want to get into a lot on that. But I think that for myself, um, you know, we came here, we won. Um, yeah. But we were also focused and we had internal conversations about building our farm system back. Remember when we made the sale trade and we had traded a lot of young players internally with everybody there. We really made a commitment to that. We didn't trade any of our premium prospects after mm -hmm. that. We didn't lose any draft choices um, for signing free agent players. And I think the system is coming back. And I think uh, mm -hmm. I think people will be surprised when they see some of the talent that's that's coming along. But you know, it takes a while to build a farm system. That's one thing. Um, when you look at clubs like the Dodgers and the Yankees, one thing they've had is continuity and continuity of building their system. And at times you make trades to try to win and it takes players out of your system. But I've been part of organizations that I was with the Montreal Expos that we built a farm system that they ranked uh, the best farm system in 25 years of baseball. So we built that. And you don't forget how to do those things. You know how to do them. It's just that sometimes you're at different points in your organization where you put emphasis on certain things. But I think that the Red Sox, have they'll be surprised. They're going to find a lot of good young players coming up. And I also think that the people that ran player development and scouting with me are in utmost held them in utmost regards, think they're quality people, and think they've done a great job. And you often said when you were here that sometimes the best trades are the ones you don't make. You look at a guy like Rafael Devers, who had the season he had last year. Ben Attendi was a guy that was talked about in trade rumors, and you, those were guys that you decided to keep and not, not trade, obviously, um, in some of those bigger deals. Well, that's true, um, but those are pretty easy. Those guys are <laughs> players, and um, I mean, they're star players, and, and it's it's fun of anything. That's why when you talk about you get, the problem is, is when you're building an organization, it's hard to bring in all quality young players to be good at the same time. You're ended up. That's why you have to make trades and supplement what you already have. But when you look at guys like Devers and Benintendi, those are those are easy ones. And when I first came here, it was really quite easy, too. And you see the Mookies and the Bogies and Jackie mm -hmm. Bradley Jr. and Christian Vasquez. And the list really went on. They had done such a good job at that point. But a lot of really, really good young um, players, and uh, it was fun to watch them come up. I do want to ask you about Mookie because that has been a huge story with the Red Sox in the last couple of years. Um, I know there was extension talks that you you went through with him. There was trade discussions that you went through with him and a lot of teams probably wanting him. Were you surprised to see him dealt this spring? Well, I really wouldn't get into the, you know, that's not my situation. I'm not with the Red Sox anymore, and the decisions that they make is, of course, theirs. But um, I really wouldn't want to get into that. I mean, I think, I mean, nobody ever wants to see a player like Mookie traded if you're in an organization. He's a great player, did a lot for the organization. But beyond that, um, I really wouldn't have much more to say on that one. With him, um, 
I think he's talked for a long time about really wanting to set up for free agency and, and get maximum value. And he's told the media that multiple times. He's obviously rebuffed the extension offers in Boston. And now with the economics uncertainty and everything going on, you know, I think Peter Gammon said that Mookie could lose 100, 150 million in free agency. What's your reaction to that? I mean, it's, it must be tough to watch this guy uh, really looking forward to this payday as any free agent would and then um, have to face that potentially. Well, his situation, of course, is specific, but it just is, comes into what COVID and the pandemic has done for the game and society. It's just changed mm -hmm. taking place. I give him credit for what he said. Uh, I saw recently that somebody asked him about free agency and giving up the dollars, and he said, hey, the most important, uh, I can't control that. I made the decision I made, and I tip my cap to him in that regard. But it's a shame for anybody that's going through what they're going through. There, the ramifications of COVID will continue to go on for a couple of years because when you talk about Mookie, but you talk about what club will set their payrolls at, what type of finances they'll have available, those decisions are still to be made over the winter time. And this there will be other players that are going to be affected by what's taking place. And lastly, for you, we talked about Alex Cora a little bit earlier. Um, I think it's it's obviously his legacy in Boston is is a, a unique one, beloved in the first year, and then obviously a, a tough way it ended. Um, for someone you have a great relationship with him, you hired him in his first managerial job, and I'm sure you're still in touch with him. What was your reaction when you saw it come out that he was that involved in what was going on in Houston? Well, I was surprised. Um, I, I did not think anything like that was taking place there in Houston. Now, I knew he was known for being a depth sign stealer. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that uh, he was very good at that. But that's a lot different than was taking place. So I was surprised. Uh, I, I think that, hey, we all make mistakes in life. We all do things. I think sometimes you push the envelope a little bit. I, I don't think in talking, I've talked to Alex and I talk to him all the time. He was, um, he's viewed as the mastermind. I'm putting all that together. Yeah. I think there was a lot more involved in doing it. And I do know with the Red Sox, I never felt we had anything going on like that. Mm -hmm. I was in constant contact with him and also, myself being present now you're not down there during the game but you, you get a pulse of things on what's taking place in general you, you get surprised at times but um yeah i was surprised to see that would taking place i think alex is a great baseball man he's a good person and uh, made a mistake it fessed up to it and i think the world's a forgiving place when when you do that and i think he'll be a manager in the future and an outstanding one for someone um, as years come come by when that all surfaced, did your mind immediately go to uh, 2017 and facing them in the playoffs and, and what could have been, how much they could have been cheating during that series, especially with Sale and Houston? You know, it, it, it didn't really, you know, at first. it was, And then it, it went to that afterwards. But, um, <laughs> yeah, the way they swung the bat then, I caught, wow, it's a little bit, um, now maybe it explains some things. <laughs> but I'm not sure, you know, I mean, at that point. They, had a, they did have a, the one thing about them, too, which takes away – they had a great club. There's right. no question about that. So um, giving them that little edge at times, I'm sure, helped. But they had a lot of good players, and they performed well. And even when you went into 18, you saw how good a club they had. And then the postseason, they played well. At, you know, in our series, I guess, a little bit different. But it was one of those where um, uh, that wasn't the first thought that came to my mind. But I have to admit, I reflected back on it after. <laughs> um, with Alex, he said maybe be a manager. Um, probably no better person asked than you. Did, does he have 
a future in a front office. I think he's talked about a few times wanting to be a GM or, or be in, in that role instead of a manager. And do you think that it might be more palatable for a team to bring him or A.J. Hinch or one of those guys back in a role where they're not directly you know, involved in the on-field play at first? Well, I think he can be a general manager if he chooses. He's a very smart person overall. Mm-hmm. He knows the game inside and out. He's worked in the a little bit in the front office, of course, in Puerto Rico for the Winter Ball Club there. And so, and, and even with uh, putting her to, there for the World Cup, those games. So I, I definitely think he could do that if he so chooses. I know he's talked about that. I know how much he loves having that uniform on, though, too. Right. So it's hard for me to imagine that that's the direction he goes into. But but he may. I, I mean, he loves the game. I'm not so sure that would make a big difference for a club. I think if they were going to hire him as a GM, you just as soon hire him as your manager if you think that's mm-hmm. the better role at that point. Because you're going to be front and center as far as making uh, decisions and dealing with the press and representing your organization. So one role or the other, I don't think that makes a difference. Well, Dave, I think that's all I got. I, uh, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking about not just Boston, but a lot of good things that are going on in Nashville and wish you the best of luck with that venture. Everybody, that's Dave Dombrowski, former president of baseball operations of the Red Sox and now a baseball advisor with Music City Baseball. So thank you, Dave. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Appreciate it.